you have your Bible, please open it to Psalm uh, 23. Psalm 23. There is a song uh, by Belther Music that says, You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till, till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Do you believe those words, TVC Saints? Can you really receive them? Can y'all struggle with fear without being a slave to it? Struggling with fear without being a slave to it. That's what I'm going to begin talking about this morning. That in Christ, we can't struggle with fear without being a slave to it. So in Psalm 23, this is a psalm of David. It's a psalm of confidence and assurance in God's care over his people in the midst of hard situations, in the middle of fearful circumstances. This is a psalm of comfort and motivation. And the Holy Spirit, he can use these words to help us struggle with fear without being a slave to it. And here's God's word to his beloved sons and daughters. The Lord is our shepherd. I'm going to change some things here. I'm going to change the pronouns here. The Lord is our shepherd, and we shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we will fear no evil. For you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil and our cups overflow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. This is God's word to his sons and daughters. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the truth, we pray that you would be the counselor, our counselor, that you would help us to remember who Jesus is for us in this life. Help us to believe it, not just to memorize it, not just to know it in our minds, but we will believe it in our hearts. We will believe it in our bones, who Christ is for us in the midst of what we go through. We take so much for granted as in first world Christianity. We just assume things are just going to be the way they are because of the great country we live in. And we're reminded that even us, we are prone to suffering as well. It can fall on us as well. And who is Jesus in the midst of that? Where does our help truly come from? At the end of the day. So Holy Spirit, remind us. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Helicopter parenting is known as an overparenting style. And one psychologist says it's, it, it, it means being involved in your child's life in such a way that it's over-controlling, over-protecting, and over-perfecting. Helicopter parents, they hover 
over the kid's life, every area of their life. And that's what fear does. It hovers over your life. It hovers over our church, just like a helicopter. And it follows you into every situation, into every circumstance, into every conflict, into every area of your life. It hovers there. Hovering fear, it has great power, especially when you are a slave to fear. It paralyzes you. It silences you. It cripples you. It blinds you. It can even divide us. It can even lead to violence. What fear has enslaved you right now? Can you name it? What about the current fear that we is hovering over us as a congregation? Are you enslaved to it right now? The only way we can struggle with fear without being a slave to it is fully embracing who Jesus is in the midst of the fear. Who is Jesus as fear hover above your life? Who is he? Who is Christ? Who is he as as we work through the issues that we're dealing with as a church? Who is Jesus when fear pours down like rain? Who is Jesus when fear falls like a hailstorm? Because it does at times. Jesus is the umbrella in the storm. Do you use your umbrella? Or do you keep it in the car in the closet? See, the umbrella, it doesn't stop the rain, okay? It doesn't stop the hailstorm, but it does comfort you. It does shelter you. It does protect you. And that's what Jesus does as your umbrella. He doesn't stop fear from raining down on you. He doesn't stop bad things from happening. He doesn't stop the storms from coming. But what he does is that he's with you in the storm. He's with you as the fear rains down. And he comforts and he shelters and he protects. And as our umbrella, storms and rains and winds, they can't bend Jesus. They can't bend Jesus. The wind ain't going to just scoop Jesus out of the way. It ain't strong enough. But do you believe it? But do you believe it? You see, Christians don't have to live as slaves to fear. You as an individual don't have to live as a slave to fear. And we as a congregation don't have to live and function as slaves to fear. Why? It's all because of who Jesus is for us, not who we are for him. And who is he? David tells us, Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is our shepherd. Meditate on those words. Don't just gloss over them. Meditate on them. Yahweh Elohim is your shepherd. But do you believe it? Because either he's your shepherd or something else is your shepherd. And as first world Christians, we got a lot of shepherds. And oftentimes it's not Jesus. So who's really your shepherd, saints? Is it your success? Is it the country we live in? Is it your political party? Is it your bank account? Is it your job? Who is really your shepherd? Who do you bow down to? Jesus is 
your only good shepherd in this life. He's the only good shepherd for his people. And his people are those who have seven faith in him, people who trust him as Lord and Savior, people who have surrendered to him as king and redeemer. And, and, and do you have faith in him? That's the question. Because if you don't have faith in him, that means you have a bad shepherd. And when life gets hard, that hired hand is going to leave you. Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, see the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus, sheep, know him in faith. And if you don't have faith in him, then you're not his sheep. You are lost and wandering. Lost and wandering. But there's good news for you because all lost sheep can be found by Jesus. And he can be your good shepherd. Because Jesus is not the hired hand. Okay? He's not the hired hand. And he doesn't flee when danger comes. He says, no, I sacrifice my life for the sheep. For you. I die for you. And three days later, I will rise again. So you can come to him in faith. Confess your sins to him. Surrender to him as Lord and Savior. And when you do that, you'll be part of his fold. He'll be your shepherd and you will be his sheep. Do you want that? Do you really want that? TBC saints, let me hear y'all. Let me hear y'all say, "Jesus is our shepherd." Jesus is our shepherd. And he's simply not your shepherd in days past, in the distant future. He is your shepherd right now, at this moment, in this place, at this time. And our shepherd, he's our shepherd as we currently face the the fears that we individually and corporately are dealing with. He is your umbrella now. And our saints, our hearts must have a firm grip on this truth if we're going to struggle with fear without being a slave to it. Okay? You got to, your heart has to believe that. How does Jesus shepherd his sheep? What does it look like for him to shepherd us corporately and individually? He doesn't shepherd us from a distance. Okay? Not some some far off place. And and he doesn't abuse you and call it shepherding and love. He doesn't shepherd you from an office or through emails and a phone call and social media and, and flock note and text messages. He's not an impersonal shepherd. He's personal. He's Emmanuel. God with us in the flesh. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Human shepherds, see, they're present with their sheep. They they don't walk, they don't, they they, they don't let their sheep walk off without them. They the human shepherds are there to protect their sheep, to watch over their sheep, and then they seek out the ones that are lost. The human shepherds, they know their sheep, they provide for them, they feed them. And human shepherds, they herd and, and tend and, and guard their sheep, and sometimes they discipline their sheep. There's a reason they use that staff. It ain't just for herding. 
sheep who live under care of a good shepherd don't have to want for anything. Now, say amen statement. Thank you, patience. Sheep who live under the care of a good shepherd don't have to want for anything. There's security. There's provision. There's protection. And there's contentment. Shepherds know what their sheep need and they give it to them. And they also know what their sheep don't need and don't give them that either. And that is what Jesus does for us as his sheep. David says, Yahweh is my shepherd and I shall not want. Can you hear the confidence in our brother's voice with these words? He really believes Yahweh is his shepherd. And he's not just being a poet here. He really believes this. He believes that Yahweh will provide what he needs throughout his lifetime, in the present and the future as well. Do you have such confidence and assurance in Jesus' ability to shepherd you through this life? Or do you just fall apart when life gets hard? I fall apart often because I forget past faithfulness. Do you have confidence that he will shepherd you through fear? And even the fear that's raining down on us now. Jesus is our shepherd. And we shall not want in the present nor in the future. But there should, but there needs to be a nuance here. Because we can't read into David's words Christian triumphalism. Okay? We can't read into David's words the belief that Christians have conquered and, and we're on the top. We can't read into David's words the belief that Christians won't ever struggle and suffer. Remember David's life. Remember what he went through. Remember what he lost. His own experience is a testimony against such belief. And if you're honest, then you will admit it too, that your life bears testimony to that too. I shall not want doesn't mean freedom from pain. I shall not want doesn't mean freedom from the consequences of our sin. I shall not want doesn't mean we don't suffer in this life. That suffering is going to pass us by. That suffering is only for the persecuted church, but, but not the church in America. I shall not want doesn't mean financial troubles will skip over your life. It doesn't mean physical and mental and relational problems won't ever touch you and your family. I shall not want doesn't mean you won't ever struggle with fear. Okay? But it does mean something. It means you don't have to live as a slave to it. You don't have to live as a slave to it. You don't have to live as a slave to the fear of your past, to the fear of your future, to the fear of what happened to you or what m may happen to you. No longer a slave to, to, the free, to the fear of the unknown. Fear of failure and fear of success. Again, why can we live this way? It's because Christ is your good shepherd. And as your shepherd, he acts on your behalf. And do you have confidence and assurance and hope in him? Because he doesn't change depending upon our feelings. He remains the same today, yesterday, and forever. David gives three examples that demonstrates why he has such confidence and assurance in Yahweh as his shepherd and why he shall not be in want. He says, first, Yahweh provides restful peace for David. Restful peace. He makes me lie down 
in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Can you picture the scenery there? Can you see it? Restful peace, green pastures, still waters are places of rest, provision, contentment, security, because Yahweh's eye is on David. That's why he can have that. It ain't, the, it, ain't just, it ain't the place he's talking about. He's talking about who God is for him in the place. Because <laughs> I can be on the mountaintop and not have security if I don't know Yahweh. David is saying, no matter what he goes through in his life, he'll never be outside the outside of his good shepherd. Yahweh will never abandon him. David will experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and so shall y'all. Hear this, saints. Please hear this. Your life, your life is never outside the eyesight of Jesus. You got to believe that. Never outside his eyesight. Even what you're going through right now, no matter what you go through, no matter what we experience, no matter the fear that's running down on us, Jesus does not lose sight of us. He is the one that can multitask perfectly. Okay, he's never behind schedule. He doesn't lose sight of us in the midst of brokenness. and He doesn't lose sight of us in the midst of the chaos. And he hasn't lost sight of you this week for his eyes on the sparrow, the song says. His eyes on the sparrow. So why should we feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should our hearts feel lonely? Jesus is our portion, a constant friend. His eye is on the sparrow, and he watches over you. He watches over you. He does. In Jesus, he does give us green pastures and still waters. In him, there's real rest, real provision, real contentment, real security. A restful peace is given to all those who have faith in him. So you can struggle with fear without being a slave to it. You can. Second, Yahweh provides David with um, restoration of the soul. Verse two, Yahweh restores my soul. He restores my soul. Dictionary.com defines restoration as the act of renewal and revival, a return to something, to a former condition. Listen, saints, David knows that there will be times when he wanders from the shepherd. Read, read David's history. There were times when the brother wandered. There will be times when, when, when he would be broken and wounded and hurt. He knows there will be times when he's afraid. Remember, King Saul tried to kill David. Sought David's life numerous times. And remember, he committed adultery. He had a woman's husband killed. Okay, remember those things. And he wasn't a good father. He didn't deal with the son who sexually assaulted his half-sister. And yet, in all those things, Yahweh didn't abandon him. He didn't abandon him when his life was threatened. He didn't abandon him when, when, he, when he had these self-inflicted wounds. Now, the Lord let him suffer the consequences, but the Lord still sought to restore him. Saints, we will wonder. We will get hurt. And we will deal with the consequences of our decisions. And yet, we can be hopeful. We can be hopeful because of who our God is. He's there to give 
restoration. Do you believe it? Or do you believe restoration is just for other Christians, not me? I've, I've wandered too far now. No, he's a shepherd. No matter how far you wander, you're never beyond Jesus' grace and love. Okay? Never beyond it. Never beyond it. I don't know if you've ever been out in public and you see these parents. They have their kids tied up with this little rope. And the kids walking, but the parents still got that grip on them. That's how Jesus does you. Go ahead, but you ain't going to get too far because I got you. That's how, that's how he's with you. He's with you, leading you along the way. He's with you. He's got you. So, and that means he won't ever abandon you. He won't abandon you to your own afflictions and distress. He won't abandon us to this broken world. He won't abandon you to your, to your self-inflicted brokenness. And he won't abandon you to injustice or violence. He won't abandon you to your fears. And here's the thing. It may feel like he does. And it may appear like he does, but that's not true. Jesus, he lets you deal with your consequences, but he will seek to restore you and revive your soul. Don't let your view of Jesus be determined by your tragic events in your life. Don't let your present fear dictate your view of your shepherd. Don't do that. Our shepherd understands what it means to live in this world. He has empathy for you. Do you believe that? Have you ever thought about Yahweh Elohim having empathy for us? Empathy for us. He knows that we are but dust. He knows it's hard. He knows we're going to. You think he's surprised when you wonder? <laughs> Do you think he's surprised by what you're currently dealing with? If he's surprised, he ain't no God. He is able and he is willing to restore your soul. Have you asked him to do so? It's not a spiritual gift to beat yourself up because of your struggles. That ain't a spiritual gift. That's from the enemy. It's a gift from the enemy. Ain't a spiritual gift to to just just wallow. I'm preaching to myself now because it's been a hard week for me. It's not a spiritual gift to not receive his mercy. To receive his grace. That's not a spiritual gift. That's a lie from the enemy. Lie from the enemy. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Third, Yahweh provides guidance for David. He does so for David's benefit, but for his own glory. Look at verse 3. Yahweh leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Yahweh counsels David. He advises David. He directs David's life. David's steps are ordered by the Lord. His steps are led down the path of righteousness. And the path of righteousness refers to Yahweh's lordship over David's life. It refers to him walking in the ways of Yahweh. It refers to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 9, 23 through 25. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. 
Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. That's the path to righteousness. And being led down this path, being led down this path means you are going to be continually led to Jesus first. That's an amen statement. Because most of you read that and you, you automatically go to, I got to start doing stuff. <laughs> the first step is you come to the one who's already done the stuff. That's Jesus. You come to him first. That's where the path is leading you. So if you wandered from Jesus today, if you wandered from your shepherd today, he is saying, I'm here. I've never left. You left me. But you can come back. You can always come home. So will you come, saints? Can you admit that I've wandered this week? And Jesus says, just come home. Just come home. Come into Jesus. You come to him. You're drawn closer to him relationally. To in relationship. It's not knowing things about him. It's not knowing facts about him. Though those things are important. But it's also you being in relationship with Jesus. You can love Jesus back. You don't have to wait till you die and go to heaven to love him. You can love him now. You can fellowship with him now in prayer and through his word. As we draw closer to Christ, our hearts and our lives are being molded more into his image. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. And this is a progressive transformation. It doesn't happen overnight. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when he grabs hold of our lives and our heart, he is the one who empowers us to walk in Jesus' footsteps. Do you think me going to seminary and have a seminary degree, that that way empowers me to walk in Jesus' footsteps? Do you think all those books in my office is what empowers me to walk in Jesus' footsteps? Do you think having right theology is what empowers us to walk in Jesus' footsteps? No, it is the third person of Trinity. He is the one doing it. The Holy Spirit. So pray to him. Ask him. Ask him. And he is the one who will equip you to live a life that Christ wants you to live. Last week, I read a quote from the late Coretta Scott King about fear. And she once says, when fear rushed in, I learned how to hear my heart racing, but refused to allow my feelings to sway me. That resilience came from my family. It flowed through our bloodline. Because of Jesus, you can embrace fear. Listen to your heart. You can struggle with it and not be swayed by it. Because Jesus can give you resilience. It flows through our bloodline. It flows through our union with Christ. That you are one with him. And that means something. That's not just a theological phrase. That means something right now. That if he's your shepherd, he knows your name. He knows your name. He has been engraved in the palm of his hand. And he will never forget you. And you shall not want. 
He will give you rest for peace. He will give you restoration and he will give you guidance because you belong to him. Let me hear you say it. I belong to Jesus. Jesus. And you're no longer a slave to fear. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. That we don't have to live as slaves to fear. Because of who you are for us, not because of who we are for you. You are the good shepherd. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will drain, drill that truth into our hearts. That when we leave here, we won't get to lunch and be like, what did the pastor say about fear today? Holy Spirit, you are the one who takes the word and applies it to our hearts. I pray that you would do that. In Christ's name I pray.